Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks. And it's your dad driving you to school in a Peugeot to my dad driving me to school in a Rolls Royce. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Justin, Justin, Justin. The season is now well underway. The fixtures coming thick and fast. We're just getting in the groove of things. And it's a bloody another international break. For God's sake. It's a bit like starting a long car journey and stopping at the services after 15 minutes, isn't it? And then this is exactly another 15 what it's minutes like later. when we have to go down to London and go in your electric <laughs> car, which can't go more than 30 miles without needing charging up. Yeah, but who's going to be first on the arc when there's a, a great big flood when the earth starts to collapse? Me, because I'm an electric engine and the world's going to choose me because of my electric car. You can you can be on that arc. I rather just drown. I think. Um, to be fair, this international break it's uh, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because it tends to be a bit of a burial ground for under pressure managers. The first international break is still very early on in the season. This one is the one where clubs start to think to themselves, "This isn't going very well." We've got two weeks here, so mm. it's time for us to find a replacement and give them time to get their ideas across. So let's act now. Oh, you're spot on. It's 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 a weird one, as as you say, but it's it's always a case of that first block of games very early. Teams are still following their feet. It's normally after a busy summer, and then you've got this next block of games in between the September, September and October international breaks, where form really starts to have an impact on the rest of the season. Obviously, if it's not good form and teams are still finding the way that's when the questions start to be raised about managers. And that's usually when speculation really starts to increase as we're finding out finding out of the last couple of days. Speculation mm-hmm. surrounding several jobs has really started to, to build up. Speaking of which, QPR nil, Blackburn four. Um, we'll get on to that in a bit later on, but welcome to the number one championship <laughs> podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. Yes, we're here to run through all the games in the championship this past weekend. Plenty for us to get our teeth into right here. We'll also do the polls towards the end of the show and finish off with Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight. Let's kick things off with Leicester, who continue to have the joint best start in championship history after beating Stoke 2-0. If they were to win a point from their next game, it will be the best start ever by a side at championship level. Three-word review here from Hayden. Nearly third gear. Daniel says good squad rotation. LCFC head says strength in numbers. And they're absolutely right. A really comfortable win this for Leicester, despite massively rotating the squad. Five changes made for this game, and it was still a walk in the park. Has a side ever been promoted by October before? Because we're getting to that stage already, Justin. I struggle to envisage a situation already where Leicester don't get promoted. It's been quite obvious for a while that 
They're simply too good. Well, simply too good. There's a lot of superlatives that just come out of this, isn't there? It's an incredible, incredible uh, start that they've had. Picking up 30 points from a possible 33 is just absolutely magnificent. And considering that, I was sceptical about Enzo Maresca when he, before he came in, um, mainly because it's a big, big step getting into this job, big step coming into championship as well. He's taken it to it fairly, fairly effortlessly. Um, and that's credit to him and the team. But obviously the team are coming into, into games with a really impressive mindset after relegation as well, which again is really, really important. But you've only got to look at the style of play and how it's impacting um, impacting games. They're starving opposition of the ball and letting their quality do the talking. And that's all you can really ask for for a team who, as a, as a supporter on Twitter pointed out, nearly in third gear. Yeah. And I think the real victims here are us because we've got 35 <laughs> games left of the season for us to come up with something more interesting to say than Leicester are quite good, aren't they? And I did fear this would be the case. Even when they just got relegated, I remember saying that Leicester could afford to lose 10 or so players and still have too many players who were just too good for this level. In my view, they were the best side to get relegated from the Premier League. And all they've had to do is keep together a core group of players. I mean, we're talking about an embarrassment of talent. Leicester decided to rest Valt Feiss against Stoke and then went, oh, let's just see who we've got here. Oh, Harry Souter, a player who we signed for £15 million and was one of the best defenders in the championship at the point he was sold. That's the amount of strength they have got in depth here. It's without a doubt one of the strongest squads we've ever seen at this level. I think that's fair to say. Mm -hmm. They're almost guaranteed to break the record for the best start after 12 games by a championship side. And I can see them breaking more records as the season goes on. It's impossible to not see that happen. And the fact that they've still got Tom Cannon to come in as well. I've not really seen the best of uh, Kelechi Iheanacho. Jamie Vardy, I think, is still getting into a gear, um, which is saying something. There's just so many... Already. Well, exactly. And I, I don't think we've quite seen the, the prolific best of him, even though he is quite old, um, which is an observation, not a not a form of disrespect, I'll add. Um, but it, it, there's just so much quality to still come out of this team. And I think that's the, the, the key thing here. You know, Steffi Mavadidi's been really impressive this season as well. Wilfred, indeed, in a new role, has, has really taken to it quite nicely. Hamza Chowdhury is yet to become a, a solidified starter, rightly so, because there are other players ahead of him. But you're talking about um, strength in deck, but everyone's just going in the same direction, which is the most impressive thing here. And that's, again, why you need to praise Maresca for the job that he's done so far. Yeah, and I think we have got to praise uh, Enzo Maresca as well. It's very easy for neutrals to look at Leicester and say, oh, this squad is very expensive. But to actually knit it together and get them winning games as comfortable as they are, it deserves so much credit. You look at Leeds and Southampton, their squads are still amongst the most talented in the league, albeit not as strong as Leicester's. But they've had their issues so far. The only thing you can really point at Leicester is that they've not been winning games more emphatically. <laughs> Having said that, I can't ever recall a side hitting the ground running and then maintaining it throughout the season. Maresca's just got his side moving through the gears very nicely and they've been getting better and better, which is scary when they've only dropped points in one game so far this season. Enzo <laughs> Ball has been a delight to watch at times. They're not the ball around so effortlessly and control games as well. Some had their doubts about him, like you, Justin, mainly because his only previous managerial experience was an unremarkable spell at Parma. But we are talking about a guy who last season was the assistant to arguably the greatest manager ever in a treble winning season. So he doesn't get that job if he's a Sunday league coach, does he? And now the future, not just this season, but past that, is very exciting for Leicester with Enzo Maresca in the dugout, isn't it? <laughs> 
Well, I can't disagree with any of that. And like you said, I was I was skeptical. I was nervous about him coming in. But, you know, there's, there's going to be pedigree there, as you mentioned, all the variables working with Pep Guardiola, etc. But I think, obviously, you're getting the style of play up and running um, and mixing that with the fact that he's managed to pick up a club that's hurting after relegation, pick the players up, the club's staff, the fans... There's a lot of there's a lot of positives to, to draw from it, and again that that lends to a good all round coach and all round manager, which pretty much lends to you know, you know, a good recipe for for long term success. And then you you're replicating that, or, or it's happening on the pitch as well. It's hard to pick fault, which is which is frustrating for us, as you mentioned several times already, is that we we can't we can't keep coming up with you know superlatives for them as the season goes on there's going to be after you know maybe some stumble at some point but it's hard to see it happening because they're just so well drilled they're so confident and there's so much quality in the team a manager who it's not looking good for is alex neil at stoke three word review here for stoke from wilsh in the shit uh, just 10 points on the board for them this season they're 21st we mentioned before about how unforgiving this international break can be for managers Alex Neal is one of those definitely in trouble, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I tweeted um, on Saturday that Alex Neal isn't getting a tune out of this Stoke side, and someone replied with, "He's tone deaf," and it's hard to it's hard to disagree with it. And then you've got the and then you've got a managerial grim reaper in in John Percy, the the uh, the Telegraph journalist who who asked questions, which is never a good sign because he's very very well in the know. So there's a lot batting against Alex Neal here, but I just can't find any any credit to give to him at all um i'll give him defensively i'll give him the benefit of the doubt because of injuries but going forward it's really poor they're, they're so far lower mid-table for chances created but sit top when it comes to crosses in the box tells me that despite the wealth of technical talent that they've got at the club the remit is still to just get it in wide areas and cross it which then becomes a bit of a 50 50 with defenders and attackers i'm just not inspired by alex neal and his stoke city team and it's hard to make a case for him to to, to keep his job unless performances turn around before results I think it is worth mentioning as well that he's not being totally judged on this season. It's last season as yeah. well. He has been very unlucky with injuries this season. But unfortunately, in the time that Alex Neal has been in charge, Stoke have shown next to nothing in mm-hmm. terms of progress. I don't really know what the style of play is either. It bears repeating that if he goes, Alex Neal won't be the first good championship manager to lose his job at Stoke. Gary Rowett, Nathan Jones, Michael O'Neill have all fallen foul there in the past. Rowett and Jones have gone on to have success after leaving Stoke and it wouldn't surprise me if the same happens to Alex Neal because I think he is a good championship manager. So is it the manager who's at fault or is it something else? Mm. I fully accept that things aren't going brilliantly under Alex Neal, but will things improve? I'm not necessarily sure. Could you make the case um, that Alex Neal, Gary Rowett, Michael O'Neill and Nathan Jones are all similar types of managers in by the way they by the way they play? You know, have Stoke been making poor decisions in, in 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 getting a similar type of manager, or is it just a case of there's a curse? You know, it's this 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 old old stigma of, of the Stoke curse. Is it the the choice of manager, or is it forces beyond our recognition? It's definitely forces beyond our recognition. It's a curse, just I can tell you that right now. You say, do do they have the same style of play? Alex Neal is known for being not die not route one, but a direct manager. Yeah. Having said that, he seems to be trying something different, but I don't know what it is. Whereas Gary Rowe and Nathan Jones know how they like to play. Michael O'Neill actually played some decent football in it eight times at Stoke. Yeah. But it just doesn't seem like there's any long-term plan here. And 
when that's happening it's obviously not a good place to start off with is it but let's go to Ipswich Town and as amazing as Leicester start has been Ipswich are somehow managing to keep pace with the Foxes after they beat Preston 4-2 only two teams in championship history have won more points after 11 games than Ipswich one of them of course being Leicester three word review from Jason can't stop smiling Danny says don't wake me up Will says McKenna is elite ladies and gentlemen this is a big moment. For weeks now, the Ipswich over going up tractor has been flying. It's been absolutely tanking it along. But Justin Peters been refusing to get on board. I gave him until this international break to decide whether he's getting on board or not. It's decision time, Justin. Will you take my hand and join us on this magical journey? Ah, fuck it. Yeah, go on then. Let's go. Yes! <laughs> it's about time. It's got to be said. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, it took me, what, four or five months to get really on board with Burnley last season and they were scintillating. And to be fair to, to, to Ipswich's credit, they've been fantastic as well. But I'm doing this for you. I'm doing it for the good of the pod. I'm not doing it for anyone else. It's to, it's to you know, appease you, make you happy. And I hope it, hopefully it's done that. I think it's... You are doing it for yourself. You're doing it for your own <laughs> reputation. Because at the moment, Justin, I think I'm going to have to offer you some salt for that plate of words that mm. you're eating because you are very critical of me putting Ipswich in the top two of our league table predictions. And here we are. It's just jumping. It's just jumping to that um, that notion that the, the good times just carry on and it doesn't always work. But it, my God, it is with Ipswich. It's incredible. Just how. It's just how good they attack and how effectively they attack because they they put Preston to the sword in this game. Connor Chaplin's goal from the set piece was was absolutely brilliant. Um, George Hurst was dancing through defenders, which you know the cliche good feet for a big man. I hate it, but it was true in this case. There's just so much to <laughs> splurge over Ipswich. If you're being honest, that's the wrong choice of word, but it is, it is absolutely spot on. There, you're, there's nothing again, but like Leicester, there's nothing negative to say at the moment. Maybe the, defensively they could improve, but they're just so good going forwards. They're so well drilled, so organised, and so fluid. I'm on the tractor. Let's go. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. We got him on board <laughs> finally, ladies and gentlemen. It took a while, but we got there. And even Darren Huckabee's on board now. Yeah, he was, he was just, giving yeah. us pelters for <laughs> get, uh, for being so overpraising of Ipswich at the start of the season. Now, even he's admitting mm. that they're going bloody well. And look, I've been accused plenty of fanboying over Ipswich and Kieran McKenna this season. But here's why. Because they are such a well-drilled side, such a such an, an adaptable side. They play some excellent football as well. And I get what you're saying about the defensive side of things, Justin. Maybe a bit concerning, but you look at the underlying data and they haven't really been giving away as many chances mm-hmm. as you might That's expect. True. And really should have conceded more based on that. They just tick an awful lot of boxes for me. And I will continue to shamelessly fanboy over them. I recognise something special when I see it. Um, and I hate to, you know, continue the theme of you eating your yeah. own words, Justin, but Brandon Williams has had a good start and he scored a brilliant solo goal after running from well within his own half. A quote here from Justin Peach. I think he's going to be a squad option. What do you think about that, Justin? <laughs> I'll happily take an L on this one as well. <laughs> This is great. This is this is my dream. This is oh. this is the best day of my life so far. It's great. Oh, it's yeah. Um <laughs> he's been he's been really good, especially last the last week. The driving run for his goal was was fantastic. It's the epitome of flying wing back. 
um, a runaway tractor, if you like, um, because there was no stopping him. There really wasn't. It tells you a player with enormous an enormous amount of confidence. And you go to his goal in midweek as well. Similarly, just getting in that position and put his head in there, just wouldn't have expected it. And maybe I judged him too harshly on him being a knob on social media. And I, and I did, and I allowed that to, to cloud my football judgment because he has been superb. Yeah. No surprise from me that he's doing so well. You don't you don't play nearly fifty games in the Premier League, a lot of which were for oh Man United. If you're not a very talented player, and that's what he is. I think he needed to drop down a level after struggling with injury last season and deciding to join Kieran McKenna at a flying Ips, which, having worked with him before, of course, was a, just a brilliant choice. And I think the wing back pairing of Brandon Williams and Leif Davis is the best in the division mm. for me. Both, are, both offer so much going forwards as well as defensively. I mean, the pair of them have seven goal contributions already this season, both only 23 as well. They're just two very talented players flourishing in the system and are one of a number of dangers opposition sides have to deal with when they come up against Ipswich. Preston had conceded six goals in their first eight games. Now they've let in 11 goals in three games. The Great Wall of Lancashire is falling down as we speak, Justin. Yeah, crumbling, crumbling. So not very solid foundations, which isn't really the case. I, it's been yeah, it's just been a weird seven days um, for them, and obviously really disappointing. There have been some areas that need tidying up. You look at the Ipswich goals that they did concede. From Ryan Lowe's perspective, he'll be quite disappointed. I mentioned the Conor Chaplin finish from a set piece. It don't really shouldn't really have that much time and space in the box. Um, there have been some areas that, areas that need tidying up in the last week, but they've also come across three really clinical teams and I think they've just been punished um, in some of the chances they, that they've given away and obviously the international break comes at a good time get players back to fitness and reset um, I don't think it's too alarming because I think that first um, six or seven games is probably the, the, the biggest the biggest um, you know data uh, capture that we can really judge pressing on because they were really good defensively it's just the last three games have, as I say come across some really clinical teams yeah, they weren't playing amazingly during that running, winning run, but the performances in the last three games have been extremely poor. Yes, two of them against Ipswich and Leicester. That's fair enough. Probably wouldn't expect anything from those two games. But just the fashion in which they've been beaten is a huge concern. I think the international break has come at a very good time for them just to take a breather and reset almost. Getting battered three times in the space of a week can be quite damaging to a team's confidence. So Ryan Lowe has a chance now to just take them in, let them move on and get going again after the break. Because they're still third in the table. Still a very, very good position for Preston to be in at this stage. It's just the past three games not been ideal at all. QPR nil, Blackburn four. QPR have now only won one home game in the last 12 months. That's an absolutely bonkers stat isn't it? Billy's three-word mm. review, get Gareth out. Atley's three-word review is a bit longer than three words. Shit, 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 shit. You get the idea. goes on for a while. Uh, Blackburn were great here, and we'll talk more about them shortly, but another manager who's definitely under pressure is Gareth Ainsworth. Eight points from 11 games this season. I saw a poll from a QPR Twitter account which had Ainsworth in or Ainsworth out. Ainsworth out had 88% last time I checked. What are you, Justin? Incredibly, I was going to bring up the same poll and the last time I checked, it was 89%. So okay. it had increased slightly. So which is an idea. I I think I voted out. I, I did vote on it as well. Um, <laughs> and it's, again, it's, it's the frustrating thing is I like Gareth Ainsworth as a character. Um, he's, he's, he's a positive guy. He's got the same 
music um, interests as I do. I like that he pulls off his, his own personality, but unfortunately that doesn't get your results. And I think we, we all need to take a you know, big, big, honest you know, thought and, 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 and express that thought and say, Card, uh, QPR have not improved since he came in. It's as simple as that. I think anyone, can anyone with their hand on heart say that they've done that? They average the third least amount of possession in the league and average the fourth least amount of shots in the division. It just isn't good enough for the players that he has at his disposal. One of the best creators in the division in his chair and there's just nothing happening. Um, it's not not really had any much impact on, on, on games. There was a moment after the Cardiff game where I was thinking, well, maybe you've got got this team to to um, come around to your way of playing. Fuck no, I was wrong. It's it's, it's just not it's just not happening. It just isn't. And um, yeah, QPR hurtling towards towards League One with him. Simple. Yeah, I've been a long time doubter of Gareth Ainsworth, so it'd be disingenuous for me to say I think he's the right man for QPR. I just don't know what the game plan is at home. When they're away, it's clear that they're trying to counter teams and that's fine, but QPR aren't going to stay up when their home form is as bad as it is and they're not picking up nearly as many points as they would hope away from home. To be fair, they have had a very tough first 10 games, but I can't say I've seen enough so far to say that they're going to start picking up results when the fixtures ease up and... Ainsworth is like a broken record at this point. He says he can turn things around, but we've heard him say that so many times before. And continuing with that theme, here's something I've said many times before. A better manager could definitely get more out of this team. Hence why I think uh, I would not be surprised at all if Ainsworth were to go in this international break. Well, it's, it almost needs to happen now, doesn't it? Because as you say, you mentioned that home record. Keep it up play like an away team. Gareth Ainsworth's style is basically like an away team, um, and you, you're not going to get results at home if you if you do that. If you allow opposition to to grow in confidence in home games, it's just not going to happen. And they've got a very strong spine. I was thinking about it earlier today: Asmir Begovic, Steve Cook, Jimmy Dunn, Jay Clark, Salter. This is, you know, a very strong and experienced team there. Sam Field in midfield. Um, then you've got Elias Chair, Lyndon Dykes going forward. There's enough quality in this team to be getting more results, better results, better performances at the very least, or at least having laying more of a glove on opposition than they are doing. They're just not. I think that's the 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 smallest variable you should be measuring Gareth Ainsworth on is are they challenging opposition enough? They're just not. It's simple. They're not they're not giving themselves a chance in games. He's playing too much to the underdog card and unfortunately um everyone's bought into it too much and they're now just week and and everything else and so easy to roll over at the moment let me throw a name at you justin mick beal <laughs> don't no no just, no no just no, throw no, it no. out there no, just no, throw no, it out no. there i'm not saying that's who i'd go for if ainsworth were to see the chop this this coming week but just interesting into <laughs> Blackburn were great though weren't they had lost four on the trot heading into it although there were some tough games in that run at Matthew's three word review Sigurdsson is class and I wanted to highlight Arna Sigurdsson who had a great game here Icelandic international on loan from CSK Moscow I think it's a bit confusing because his contract there has been suspended but whatever the case he's spending the season at Blackburn got two goals in this game and has had a great start so far Antti yeah, he's done well after after his last international break, um, and I think this game was a shining indication of what he can bring to the team. And hopefully, there's more to to come from him. He took both his goals brilliantly. The first was a 
very good poacher's effort getting into a good area getting in front of his marker with some good movement and then the second was a was a brilliant finish and giving that little bit of extra dynamism and it adds so much quality um to blackburn's um well efforts in the final third because dare i say they're in a bit of a false position similar to this time last season but in the on the other uh on the other side of the street I don't know I'm, I'm struggling with God's spectrum that's the one the number of times you like Michael Scott the number of times you go down an alleyway and you just don't know where you're going with your sentence it's unbelievable it's more <laughs> so I get your point I get your point Justin it's, it's you, more so the metaphors yes anyway. I, I get what you're saying they they probably are in a false position because I think maybe they should be higher in the table than they actually are but look going back to Sigurdsson I wasn't totally sure about the signing when he came in because he was playing in Sweden last season. That's quite a step up coming into the championship. So far, though, he's looked excellent. Looks a really classy player who can set them up as well as score them. Black been a bit been a bit chaotic this season because they've been brilliant going forwards, but leaky at the back. As long as they're continuing to be productive going forwards, then they're in with a shout of winning games. And Sigurdsson's going to be really important to that happening, especially if he continues to be as much of a sharpshooter in front of goal as he has been. In the tees where Derby, Sunderland were thumped 4-0 at home by Middlesbrough. However, there was a moment which changed the game. Dan Neal was sent off just before half-time when the scores were 0-0. What was he sent off for? Good question. Seems like it was something he said to the ref. But flabbergasting, Justin. <laughs> yeah, it, I sympathise with both Dan Neal and the ref in this scenario, mainly because, judging what Tony Mowbray said, then then maybe Dan Neal shouldn't have been sent off for what he said. Seems a bit soft, but then you can't you can't yell swear words towards the referee either. So I also think maybe the referee um, had a bit of had a bit of um, you know substance there to, to send him off. It is harsh. It is, yeah, but it, it it is harsh. But at the end of the day, you can't swear. Well, you can swear. I don't really know. It's, it's Maybe I'm big, being too soft. It's a big boys' game now. Come on. You, if if you're giving yellow cards for people swearing at referees, then we'd have bloody twenty four cards handed out each week. Yeah, but it depends what the referees interpreted that as. Do you know what I mean? It, it comes down to the referee. No. It, even if you, but even if you question the decision, you can't. You can't really swear towards referee. You can yell and be frustrated and, and, and swear, but you can't be can't be you know throwing questions. No, questions Justin, just Justin, I, I get what you're saying. I I get there's new rules about remonstrating to referees, but there's got to be common sense here. These rules were introduced to stop players crowding around referees. Dan Neal said something to him from twenty yards away. You, all you have to do as a ref is just go over to him, tell him it's not on, leave it at that, and. I think that's what Mowbray said basically after the game to send him off in the first half and leave Sunderland down to 10 men for a whole half is ridiculous. They're one of the teams who will struggle the most going down to 10 men because they rely so much on passing and having players available for that pass. Plus losing Daniel exposes their defence so much as we saw. They may very well have lost this game if they still had 11 men. We'll never know. But the sending off killed the game for Sunderland as far as I'm concerned. No, I don't. I don't disagree with that. It's just trying to trying to view it from both sides, um, and it's just taking a bit of sympathy from both, especially the week that officials have had um, after the VAR controversy last weekend. It's just one of the end, but it is a derby game. And you've got to take that into context as well. Um, so yeah, definitely, the ref needs to lighten up, but at the same time, Daniel needs to be wiser to that sort of scenario. But he is younger; he is learning. But you are right; it, it killed the game from a Sunderland perspective, and, and Middlesbrough really, really took hold. Mm. 
I'm not sure I have as much sympathy for the ref as you. I I get it, you know, shouldn't be shouting at refs in the first place, but at the same time, players shouldn't be, you know, pulling each other's shirts and jostling in, in from corners and what have you. But that happens every single week and we'd be giving out penalties every five minutes if it were to happen. Same here, you'd be given red cards every five minutes if it were to you know be strictly down to the rules so i just think the ref's got to use common sense in this scenario uh, peter's three-word review for borough perfect away performance chris simply went with formidable uh, sedgefield says carrick is king uh, for borough though incredible form continues four wins on the bounce now up to 16th after their slow start it's been quite the turnaround hasn't it and someone i wanted to put the limelight on is Isaiah Jones who definitely deserve it because he was excellent against Sunderland and has just been in great form recently a couple of seasons ago he was excellent wasn't he uh, under Chris Wilder was one of the mm-hmm. best right sided players in the division last season wasn't so good it seemed like Michael Carrick was not too convinced by him however the last few games he looks like he's been getting back to his best and that's very exciting yeah, no, no, no doubt about that. He had a 15-minute spell in the second half where he was genuinely unplayable. And he's probably been Middlesbrough's most consistent, sort of bright spark in the final third this season so far. Um, but going back to that 15-minute spell, he hurt Sunderland every time he collected the ball. He's, he's direct, he's um, he's so smart with his runs as well, and, and his choice of pass at times is, is fantastic. Maybe he needs to be a little bit more selfish um, when getting into good good um, good areas, but it was a major difference in the second half. And having players with that sort of confidence and just ability to just go out defenders whenever they collect the ball is, is remarkable. And I think maybe last season, obviously first season when he came through under Wilder, you know, you ride a bit of a crest of a wave when you're young and you're coming through. Last season still looked really raw, but this season looks so much more refined. Decision making so much better as well. So, yeah, he was he was a big difference in this game, especially in the second half, as I was mentioning, because he killed Sunderland every time he got the ball. Yeah, is worth mentioning when Carrick came in, or he, actually, I think even under Wilder last season. Basically, last season he was asked to play right wing, which is further forwards than he was before, because he was at a mm. wing back position before, wasn't he? So it was a bit different for him. Didn't seem to flourish too much, but now he seems to be getting into the groove of it and has been excellent in the past few weeks. So hopefully there's more to come from him. Justin, let's take a quick break. After that, we'll talk about Sheffield Wednesday's potential new manager and Birmingham's potential new manager. What? Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hold up. 
Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. Sheffield Wednesday had a huge game in their first match since sacking Isco Munoz. They drew 0-0 with Huddersfield. Of course, Dan Moore revisiting Hillsborough for the first time since his departure. I say this is a huge game because I suspect these two will both be fighting to stay up this season. Someone should have told the players, though, because it was a huge game, but it wasn't one for the ages. Just one shot on target in the whole 90 minutes. However, it's Wednesday's third point of the season. Only Bolton from 2017-18 have picked up fewer points than 11 uh, after 11 games than the managerless Owls. However, they might not be managerless for much longer. According to various reports, German coach Danny Ruhl is the leading candidate for the job. He was Ralph Hasenhutl's assistant at Southampton before becoming Hansi Flick's assistant at Bayern Munich and then the German national team as well. Uh, Justin, I don't know if he'll be a good appointment or not, but if it does happen... Wednesday fans have just got to roll with it. <laughs> oh my God, I wonder where that was going. There are a lot of pun opportunities with his name, um, which which for that reason alone, <clears throat> I hope Wednesday do go for him. But you're looking at his uh, coaching background. He's got pedigree there. He's worked with Ralph Ho- uh, Hasenhutl, Ralph Ranić as well. He's another one, obviously, a lot of good experience as a coach. Would suggest in that case he's a, he's a high-press lover. Um, or a lover of the high press, uh, high press, I should say, which I don't know whether this might suit the Wednesday squad or not. It's not particularly quick or energetic. It's disciplined. It's experienced. Doesn't have the strengths of that, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll judge him when he has a few games. Um, so yeah, it's just one of those where it's, it's, there's a great amount of intrigue. And he's quite young as well, so it's obviously a an ambitious appointment. Um, it's just whether or not it's he's got the experience to deliver the outcome that Chan Siri wants staying in the championship or build for the long term, making a good go of staying in the championship and then hit next season hard. Hmm. Well, it's, there's a reason why he's the leading candidate for the ruler. Um, he was <laughs> interviewed for the job in the summer before they chose Isco Munoz, which has led to a bit of concern from Wednesday fans because they've been going, well, well, we picked second. We picked, we're going with the second choice to the guy who just gave <laughs> us the worst starting club history. Um, Quite reminiscent to the whole Liz Trust Rishi Sunak situation, I suppose, isn't it? Um, <laughs> uh, but look, I, I'm a big believer in giving young, talented coaches a chance in management. Look at Kieran McKenna, world class coach at Man United, goes into management, is working wonders. Rohl has been working at Bayern Munich and Germany, so must be a very talented coach. Seems a bit odd that. Giving his credentials, he would take a job at a club that is in as big a mess as Sheffield Wednesday are. But look, Wednesday have got nothing to lose at this point. They may as well take a gamble on someone like Roller, um, a Roller of the dice, you might say. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You're using them all up now. I I know. I'm sorry. It's it's just too easy. Um, But look, as I say, I'm, I'm a big believer in giving young, talented coaches a chance in management. So this could be a masterstroke for Wednesday. It's just about, you know, trying to go against the tide that is kind of consumed Strong Wednesday tide. right now. But this squad is much better than it's done so far, isn't it? So if this does happen, it'd be very interesting to see how it goes. Birmingham came out victorious in a West Midlands derby. They won 3-1 at home to West Brom on Friday night. A brilliant win for Birmingham. Back-to-back victories for them after a dip in form. Shocking penalty decision in this one, by the way. Mm. As part of our ongoing concerns about referees, this does not help the cause from the referee's point of view. Um, But it's been a, a common theme in this episode, Justin. One manager, you know, 
being under pressure and one I did not expect to be in trouble over this international break is John Eustace but that may very well be the case according to the Daily Mirror Birmingham is set to hold talks with Rain Rooney about taking him on as manager it's because the club's owner Tom Wagner is believed to want a bigger name in charge Rooney has just left DC United over in the US another report says the deal could be done already and this just seems a bit mad Justin bit mad frustrates me a hell of a lot as well I'm, I'm seething at the thought of, of John Eusis uh, you know someone who's done a fantastic job so far in his time at Birmingham against um, you know against a tide uh, lose his job he's going to might potentially lose his job to a man who by and large has a very meh record in management or, or down to his name essentially it's frustrating because as I say John Eusis has laid the groundwork for Wayne Rooney to well potentially come in and um, and either mess it up or, or, or carry it on. It's it's a simple. It's such a high risk. It's such a high risk, and I don't think it's one that's worth taking. Judging on the last time a new owner came in at Birmingham, sacked a manager who was doing well, and then made a poor choice in manager, big name manager, and it go tits up from there. We've seen this before with Birmingham City, and I don't want it to happen again. Eustace deserves the opportunity to to manage his team throughout the season, unless there's a drop off in form. Or, or, you know, the team slumps. There's just zero justification in removing him. Simple. Yeah, I hadn't made the comparison to the Rowett Zola situation from many moons mm. ago, which I think is still regarded as probably the worst sacking in championship history. But it does draw parallels, doesn't it? I mean, it would be convenient for all parties if Eustace went to Rangers, Rooney went to Birmingham, because then. All clubs are happy in this scenario, according, well, if reports are to be believed. Would that be the best move for all parties? I'm not sure. I don't think Rooney would be a bad appointment for Birmingham, but purposely getting rid of John Eustace for him would be a big mistake in my eyes. Birmingham have been playing really well this season. They're in the top six, despite results not going their way in September. He's a great manager with a bright future and getting rid of him just because he's not a big name is ridiculous and I'm hoping these reports are just that reports because it'd be a great way for Birmingham to upset the fans by doing something like this after all the hard work the owners have put in since coming mm -hmm. in it just seems insane it also puts a lot of pressure on Wayne Rooney to get off to a good start as well Massive. he's taken over he's taken well, he's taken over a manager who's done brilliantly and therefore, Wayne Rooney's then he's, he's then got to come in and and really pick up from from where he's left off. There's no room for poor form to seep in, um, and and I think the coach's room to come in uh, to come into the team with him is um, coaching team is, is Johnny O'Shea and Ashley Cole, which again is um, there's not a lot of experience there. You look at Liam Rossini, who was with Rooney at Derby. There's more coaching experience there as, as opposed to the other two. So some question marks there as well. But I'm just I, it just seems such a disastrous potential decision I just don't want it to happen yeah uh, I mean if the reports are to be believed because it seems to have just you know caught off like wildfire in the in the past few hours before we started recording this episode and it seems like this may actually be happening and initially I just thought it was reports I thought it was just that but it seems like this may may be truth to this and I find that quite surprising to say the very least so uh, we'll wait and see on that front I suppose West Brom uh, going back to the game by the way West Brom's John Swift has now had six shots on target and scored six goals that's absolutely unbelievable 
what a record that is. He, it's like he's, he must just be choosing the perfect moment to shoot at this point so he can maintain this 100% record. Uh, Leeds are up to fifth after a 2-1 win against Bristol City. Very comfortable this for Leeds. They should have won it by more if it wasn't for a miss of the season contender by Jorginho Root. Oh dear, oh dear. Dan James got on the score sheet for Leeds and he's had a brilliant start. And he's one of those players who has relished the chance to step down a level, isn't he? And I, I tell you what considering the amount of talent they have in their ranks. I kind of forgot about him, really, considering they've got mm. Somerville. Well, they had uh, Sinistera uh, as well as Nonto, Somerville and all those kind of players. Mm-hmm. You kind of forget Dan James was there, but he's been brilliant so far. Well, he has, he has. And this comes at the perfect time as well, by the way, because we had a heated debate on Monday when choosing our team of the month in that you wanted Ruter in, I wanted Dan James in. Dan James has a quality game against Bristol City and Ruter puts in a... One of the misses of the season yeah, contenders. Yeah, I will point out though, Justin, you wanted us to put Morgan Whitaker up front, who's yeah. not a striker. So it, it's, yeah, I mean, it's kind of cheating, really. A fluid front three. Anyway, that's besides the point. You are right about Dan James because I had exactly the same point I wanted to make. I'd have thought he'd have been lowering the pecking order of wide players at the start of the season, but he's just been getting on with business. Five goal contributions in nine is a, is a great return for for a player there, and I think you've got to you've got to really really compliment him. Um, on his ability to just sit into this Daniel Fark team and um, and play to his own strengths, his pace has been out uh, has been a massive asset for Daniel Farker and um, he's, he's he's getting the end he's getting well the end products there to he's doing the talking for him. Yeah, four years ago he started thirty three games in the season for Manchester United, so maybe it shouldn't be a surprise that he's doing well in the Championship. But to be honest, I kind of forget he was ever at Man U, and I think he should have stepped down to the Championship sooner because he's. Struggled to pull up trees at Leeds or Fulham and now has been his chance to show what he's all about and he's been doing it. He's got the third highest expected assists in the division per 90. He's been creating chances for fun and has been showing a lot more end product. We all know about his pace but this is what else he can do and it's been great to see. I was looking at the championship table earlier Justin and there is an almighty gap. That's opened up between the top two and the rest of the league, isn't there? Eight points separating Ipswich in second and Preston in third. We said that we reckon the top three will be Ipswich, Leicester and Leeds in some order. So are Leeds still the side most likely to catch the top two in your opinion, Justin? When you're looking at the top six, you've got like Sunderland in there, Preston, Birmingham. Leeds have got the quality, haven't they? They've got the quality and the depth to do it. Joel Pirro's hitting... Yeah, a, a ridiculous form. You got you got Ruta. If he's not missing those chances inside the six yard box, then you, you back, you're backing him to be more clinical throughout the course of the season. Then you've got the likes of Somerville, Nonto, um, you know, some of his other players have picked up injuries. Archie Gray, I think, played at right back in this game as well. It was fantastic. There's just a lot of quality and depth um, in this team, and a lot of flexibility and uh, yeah, fluidity as well. And I think Daniel Fark is only just tapping into it. I don't think he's yet found the the perfect formula to really kick on. So judging by all of that, I do think they're the team that are most likely to catch um, the top two, but you can't rule out the likes of Sunderland. Um, well, mainly just Sunderland, actually, I'd make the argument for Southampton. If something really, really goes our way, again, you're looking at the quality that they've got, but looking unlikely for them. But Leeds definitely, definitely got the quality to do it. Say it's unlikely for Southampton, only two points behind Leeds. So it's, it, despite them having a very high-profile bad run, they're not mm. that far uh, behind Leeds or the rest of the chasing pack. Um, I think the thing is, 
in a normal season, this start by Leeds would actually be very good. But because the top two have just been so rampant, it's uh, made the start look pretty average, haven't mm-hmm. they? A nine-point gap already is quite big, even though there's still so much football left to play. And that top two just seems so unrelenting that it's going to take a very talented squad with plenty of depth to catch up with it. So Leeds are the obvious one, Southampton possibly as well now that they've seemingly turned a corner. But Leeds just seem to have so much firepower. They've won the last two games by uh, one goal, but really could have won them by more. So Mm -hmm. Leeds will be right up there come the end of the season. I'm sure of that. They're going to have to go on multiple winning streaks over the course of the season to finish in the top two. And Ipswich will have dipped in form at some point, I'm sure, but I don't think there'll be a big drop-off like many people are seemingly expecting, judging from what I've seen on social media. I think Leeds have just got to be more consistent than they have been and incredibly consistent for the remainder of the season. But look, it's 11 games in. There's always going to be these teething issues. We we can't all have starts like Leicester and Ipswich. Um, (laughs) So as this beast continues to uh, awaken from its slumber, I, I think they will start sprinting at some point. It's just about whether they've, you know, got too much ground to make up really on the top two are just absolutely flying. Swansea's remarkable turnarounds continued. Four wins on the bounce now for them after winning 3-1 away at Plymouth. Reese's three-word review for Swansea. Home Park humbled. Forever Jack has gone with Duffball arrived. And here's Michaels. Justin was right. And Justin, you told Swansea fans to be patient with Michael Duff. This is why. Yeah, but... I do think I was maybe a little bit naive in, in saying that because I was putting a lot on Duff getting it, getting it right, mainly because he it took him a while to do it at Barnsley, but I'll take the plaudits. My ego is going to grow. I'm going to use this as, as, a, as a big F you to people. Try and correct me. I am now the almighty Justin. Gets things right. Apart not remember from... the first half of the episode. <laughs> That's true. <Yeah. laughs> being, being quickly humbled. Imagine, quickly changed. Um, thanks for that. But it... it the results are showing, um, the results are showing, but not only that, the performances have improved. There's a little bit more purpose about Swansea now. And again, I don't think we're quite seeing the best of them. Um, I still think it's very early on in their journey under Duff and I still think they're going to come across speed bumps. That's going to make things uncomfortable at times. But by and large, he's a very talented coach. When he gets the players working hard for him, it's it's a very good place to be. And Barnsley were fantastic in the second half of last season. That's what really catapulted them into contention for a, a top two push. Um, solidified the place in the top six and we're looking not to get promoted in the end so I'm not saying that's going to be the case for Swansea but I think the the, the better times are yet to come under Duff yeah and you're quite right Barnsley had a bit of a stinking start last season didn't they not probably not as bad as Swansea start because no. that was looking pretty pretty bad at one point but now they're absolutely flying and you know Swansea have a brilliant record with their managerial appointments in recent years we were talking about that quite a lot a few weeks ago and I don't think Michael Duff was, you know, the worst of the bunch there. Um, I think it just was a slow start and now he's showing what he's made of. And that's why you're such a fan of him, Justin. And it's a really Mm. good squad as well, isn't it? Well, that's it. I think that's one thing that we've not really spoken about enough and probably one thing we didn't highlight when assessing transfer windows is Swansea had a really good window, I thought. I thought they recruited really well. Josh Tymon was a was a great capture. Josh Key is looking brilliant as well. There was a little bit of nervousness, nervousness from me about him um, coming into the championship. And Jerry H is Jerry H is scoring goals as well. So there's a lot of thumbs up there for Swansea. And again, they've gone under the radar in how good they did in the transfer window. Kept hold of Matt Grimes as well. 
just everything there is just it's a nice puzzle that's being put together it's still spread across your dining room table at the moment but it's slowly corners corners are there i don't know how to put a puzzle together but the corners are there and and we're getting there with michael duff i've yeah. never done Char- a puzzle charlie patino as well someone you didn't yeah, mention who's exactly. a, a really very highly rated young lad um, and Carl Rushworth in goal has done a really good job after Brilliant. they had a couple of uh, issues with goalkeeping last season did Swansea but yeah they do have a talented squad quite a young squad actually but it's going places now seemingly and uh, I think uh, they're only going to keep going further and further I'm not sure how far up the table they're going to go but they're absolutely flying now I think they're in the top half off the top of my head or, or at least round there they're 12. Um, which is you know quite Remarkable where the considering where they were after the after the South Wales derby when things were looking mm-hmm. very grim, but yeah, it's a, suddenly turned around very quickly. How quickly things can change in football, Justin. Uh, Raw's three word review for Plymouth not clinical enough, uh, which is a fair one. I would agree with that. Here's your coupon buster of the weekend Southampton won, Rotherham won. Southampton had 22 shots to Rotherham's four. Southampton's XG was three. Rotherham's was 0.1. It's the biggest discrepancy in expected goals for a championship game this season. That's the kind of game it was. Southampton domination throughout and then out of nowhere, a freak but brilliant goal by Jordan Hugel. And despite the result, you wanted to praise Southampton, Justin. I did, yeah. I, I read a few things and Flynn Downs highlighted it in a post-match press that a lot of fans booed Southampton. And yes, the result is a painful one. It's a frustrating one. Um, but they got FM'd. And if no one's unaware of that, FM is basically what you described as um, a team running away with it um, or getting away with it uh, by not creating much and you battering them and et cetera, et cetera. But I think the performance was a, just another step in the right direction. It also highlighted also where they need to be. It was it was a good example of what Russell and White and Ball can do. Score early, starve the opposition, just struggle to kill the game and consider the world a brilliant goal, by the way. I'm not really sure how Jordan Hugo pulled it off, but it was a superb strike. But that's just how it goes sometimes and that's a championship. Yeah, it is. It was a very championship result, really, wasn't it? Because it was a brilliant strike by Hugo and... I mean, we've spoken a lot about Rotherham, how they've relied on basically crosses into the box or moments of magic like that. And Hugel's done it a couple of times. Yeah. I'm not sure how many more he's got in the bank for <laughs> an entire season, but that's just the championship, isn't it, unfortunately? And Southampton should have won this one, but didn't. However, I agree with you. I think they're going in the right direction, despite this result. There was more good news for Southampton this week. Carlos Alcaraz signed a contract extension to keep him at the club until 2028. Brentford have been sniffing around him recently. Also been called up to the Argentina squad for the first time. So well done to him. Coventry won, Norwich won. Coventry equalising late on through a Ben Gibson own goal. Disappointing result for Norwich in the circumstances. They've won just four points from their last five games after their remarkable start to the season. However, they have announced a new sport Sporting director to replace Stuart Webber, Ben Napper, set to start work at the club at the end of next month. He's been working at Arsenal for the past 13 years. What do you think of that, Justin? Um, glad that you came to me because I'm a Ben Napper expert. Uh, looking at his experience, he was chief analyst at Arsenal, then loan manager. So he's got a really good hold on the important elements. And obviously getting a replacement in for Stuart Webber is also important. So hopefully, yeah, this sparks a new direction for Norwich and a and a new strategy, because you've mentioned it a million times, Stuart Webber's recruitment's a bit so-so, so maybe maybe Ben Napper can bring in a little bit of a different perspective because of you know, Arsenal's ability to recruit youth players and bring them up you know, is very, very effective. Yeah, he's got to oversee a big reset at the club. Norwich, I think, and now we're, we're starting to see 
what Norwich are actually like as a as a team in in the more recent games because I think that start well remarkable as it was and they were playing so well I didn't ever really see it lasting because I just don't think the squad is that good and the club's just been directionless for a while now so when he comes in he has got his hands full in trying to get this club going in the right direction again and starting off something afresh could be interesting to see how that affects David Wagner's future because of course Mm. he's brought in because he's big mates with Stuart Webber Um, now that Webber is going out the door could Napper maybe see or or think to himself we need to change here and uh, bring someone else in well, I mean, it could catch Wagner napping. Is that a, is that a good didn't enough pun? At all. I no. like, I, I like, I appreciate the effort, but didn't work at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, it will be interesting to see what happens with Wagner when uh, that uh, appointment is made official. I suppose it's already made official, but when he comes in, you know what I mean. Mm. Millwall v Hull finished two two in a great game at the at the Den. Al's three word review, which I think is the same three word review he gives every week. Same old shit. Appreciate it, Al. Appreciate you getting in touch. And finally, Cardiff and Watford drew one all. Danny's three-word review for Watford. Can't score sitters. Surprisingly, despite the form of these two, Watford really should have won this one. Missed some unbelievable chances. Mm. And then the goal came from just a mistake by the goalkeeper. It's just how it happens, I suppose. Let's do the polls. It's the part of the show where we give the listeners three questions on Twitter because we want to get their thoughts on things to do with the championship. So the first question we asked was this. Will Leicester and Ipswich be the top two come the end of the season? Yes or no? I've committed to the tractor now, so I'm looking an absolute dick if I say no. So yes, that will be the top yes, two come the end of the season. that's what we like to hear. Um, <laughs> of course, I'm going to say yes, although I think... As I've said before, I think it will come down to Ipswich and Leeds for second place. I think Leicester could absolutely tank the league at this stage. Uh, maybe Southampton as well. Uh, other suggestions from people here. Uh, Leeds, Leeds, Leeds. Sunderland, yeah, fine. Uh, Leeds, Leeds, Leeds. A lot of Leeds fans have definitely caught on to this one. Um, someone says Ipswich won't make the playoffs. What? I'm not sure about that. That's a very bold opinion. Uh, But 49% of people said yes, it will be Leicester and Ipswich. 51% said no. What should QPR do? Sack Gareth Ainsworth, keep Gareth Ainsworth. Yeah, it makes sense to sack him at this point. The results just haven't been good enough since he came in in Feb, let let alone this season. Yeah. I will continue to say that we're not actively, you know, calling for Gareth Ainsworth to be sacked, but I. I think we're both very much of the opinion that a better manager could do better with this squad. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's where we'll stand on that one. 70% of people said sack Gareth Ainsworth. 30% said keep. And what do you prefer, starter or dessert? It does depend on the mood, but if I was going to pick one, I'd rather go for a dessert because the main's basically your starter. Um, And Mm. starters are not as good as desserts on most menus, I'll, I'll add. I am very much a savoury over sweet man. So I'm starter every single day of the week, baby. 56% of people said starter, 44% said dessert. Now it's time for this. Hi, Simon Grayson here. Yes, it's time for Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight. So Justin is going to ask me to name eight of a certain subject. All I've got to do is name all eight. So, for example, if he would say, name Steve Bruce's last eight clubs, and I would say Villa, that's one down. And then Newcastle, that's another down. But if I were to then say Weymouth, I would lose a life. So all I need to do is get all eight answers without losing all my lives. How many lives are you giving me, Peachy? I'm going to give you one. One? 
Simon Grayson has given you one life. You should get these. Wow. Okay, then. What is the question, then, that you have for me this week, you bastard? Eight managers have been in charge of Birmingham since Gary Rowell was sacked in 2016. Who are they? Good question. I tell you what, fair Mm. enough, that's a good question. I can't believe there's been eight. There's been eight. That seems outrageous. Well, the obvious one there is Gianfranco Zola. That is the first one, correct. If you can do this in order, I'll give you a a bonus high five when I next see you. I definitely won't be able to do it in order. (laughs) Um, I'll go with John Eustace, obviously. Yeah, yeah, obviously. He's currently in charge. Um, Harry Redknapp. Boom. That's the next one. Mm, I did have a bit of doubt in my mind then because I wasn't sure if he was before Rower. Uh, okay. Itor Karanka. That is correct. Itor Karanka is on there. How many more have I got left? You've got four left. Four. Pep Clotet. That is the one I didn't think you'd get. Incredible pull there. I remember Lovely Pep. stuff. Three left. Yeah, such an unremarkable manager. He was quite a nice bloke, wasn't he? Um, nice bloke, steady as well. Yeah, and of course he was the assistant to Gary Monk. Yes, correct. <sighs> now I'm struggling. Just just a bit of a sidestep. Gary Monk's been linked with the Sampdoria job. What? Yep. <laughs> I saw that this morning. That's completely thrown me off. What? <laughs> Mind games. I'm in your head now. Yeah, Gary Monk's been linked with um, replacing Andre Perlo at the Sampdoria. <laughs> what? Back to Simon Grayson. Come on. There's so many levels to this. He's replacing <laughs> Andrea Perlo. Linked, our lad. Linked. Come on. Let's get back to old Simon. He wants his. He wants you his know answers. You've completely done me now. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Wow. Love okay. that. Love that. Um. Wow, that honestly astounds me. Um, right, I'm trying to do this chronologically now. So John Eustace took over from Karanka, I think. I'm looking Come at Justin on. Peach's face and he's giving nothing away. He's been <laughs> practicing his poker face. You've got two left. I know, I know. I think these were all before we started doing the podcast. I think... 2019 we started. Yeah. And I think Clotet was in charge when we started. Yeah. So it must have been before then. And my mind is going blank. I've got an extra life answer so I can get one wrong. Yes. I'm not sure this is right. Steve Cotterell? That is correct. Is that is it? That is correct. I wasn't sure if it was before. This was peak Steve Cotterell when he started to lose his mind a little bit. Mm. Some weird interviews. Very David Brent, isn't he? Yeah. I'm a big fan of it. I'd love to see him back. <laughs> oh, who is the other one? We've got one more. And I'm surprised you've not got this one. I really am. How long was he in charge for? Will you tell me that? Um, no, I'm not going to tell you that. Okay, then. Simon Grayson's feeling particularly spicy today. So it was Zola. Then Redknapp came in to save everything. Then Redknapp yeah. left. Yeah. Good work. Fantastic. Then is it that manager? No. That was Cottrell then, I'm guessing. Correct. So it's whoever took over from Cottrell. But I, 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 it might be. I don't know. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to rush you because... I know you are. I've got, I know I've got, I've got places um, to be and things to do, Ryan. It's not Chris Hewton, as he was before. It is not Chris Hewton. Chris Hewton was back in 2012. You do have one more life, though, don't you? You've I know. got one more guess. That's why I just threw him out there because I wasn't 100% sure. Um, this is painful. This is painful. 
uh, I, I don't know. It just did not. My mind's gone completely blank. Uh, I mean, I'll just throw out Simon manager. Grayson because I don't think he was. But it wasn't Simon Grayson. I could, you're going to kick yourself. Go you're on. going to kick yourself. Get ready for this thud, listeners. Lee Bowyer. Fucking hell, bollocks. <laughs> <sighs> you basically came up with a campaign to keep him in charge of Birmingham. I forgot he was there. <laughs> Bad spell. <laughs> and he was ever moved during the podcast, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Just, um, Lee Bowyer was sacked last summer, quite late, and then Eustace took charge. Oh, so he didn't take over from Karenka. Oh, mm-hmm. that's so stupid. I'm so annoyed at myself. Fair yeah, enough. It should be. Um, there we go, ladies and gentlemen. I've fallen foul to Simon Grayson's hate flight. That was a good question, though, Justin. Sorry, I've just punched my mic in anger. Um, <laughs> but there we go. Uh, this has been the Second Tier Podcast. Before we go, may we ask you, dear listener, to take five seconds of your time to leave us a five-star review on whichever platform you are listening to us on, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, whatever it is that you're listening to us. It goes a long way to helping us grow as a podcast. So we would bloody appreciate it if you did that for us and left us a little review while you're at it as well. Thank you very much. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. And a big thank you for listening. <laughs> Fucking Lee Bowyer. Can't believe that. That's really wound me up. I'm convinced that you'd have got that if I didn't throw that Gary Monk story in I'm not there. sure, would you know? I honestly just forgot he ever existed. Really? Yeah. Shit cardigans. Yeah. And how he looked so sad after every game. Literally did, didn't he? Second Tier is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. (laughs) (laughs) You will be right. (laughs) Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like... You know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> this was like wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, <laughs> yeah, you, you were different. Like, you were real different, bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected yeah. things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.